You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Good afternoon, good evening, North Stream, good already this, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We are now in week, what is it, three of uh, the majority of the world being on uh, self-quarantining or lockdown or being introverts. It could be week 69. That's just what it feels like. But regardless... We move on and we stay strong. Now, I am going to start off by asking you the question that everyone in the tech industry has been asking themselves. What the heck is Zoom? Where did this program come from? So here's the thing. We have had so many various video conferencing pieces of software out there that it blows me away. We have had FaceTime. We have had Facebook Messenger. We have Discord. We have Skype. We have Google Duo. We have Google Hangouts. We have probably another one that Google makes that no one cares about. The number of video conferencing apps out there, Snapchat, what are some other ones? I'm sure chat knows a bunch. Um, WhatsApp. There are tons out there. And for some reason, When the pandemic hits and we are told to stay inside and try to work from home, what is the one everyone goes goes to? Zoom. This nothing company that came out of nowhere is the one everyone goes to. MS Teams. Thank you, chat. That was that was one that like we at least vaguely knew of. But at the same time, it's just like, no one's going to use that. Unless they, like, had to. But that's basically the story. Zoom came out, like, a couple months ago and has just been, like, a small little web conferencing sort of thing out there. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, this exists now, I guess. So when the pandemic hits, it's like, you Zoom, you Zoom, you Zoom. Oh my God, you Zoom, you Zoom, you Zoom, you Zoom. I'm not even kidding. When I was talking for work with the previous owner and our accountant, we just did it first off over the phone. 
because I'm 12 and they're both 112. And one of them even asked, what the heck is Zoom and why do my coworkers want to use it? And oddly enough, they asked me this the day after the story broke. And I hadn't reported on it yet because I literally found out about it after I recorded the early bird briefing for that day. True story. True story, in fact. There are multiple zero-day vulnerabilities found in this software that came out seemingly out of nowhere. One of which can give attackers root privileges, but can only be exploited when the users actually have local access to the machine. So, you know, that's a security vulnerability that's kind of when the push comes to shove, just not terrible, but can be bad. Because the rule is when it comes to security, once you have physical access to the machine, all bets are off. But the fact that it exists, what if they get remote access to the machine in another fashion? That's where things could get dicey. However, on the Mac, there is a similar vulnerability that exists, and that can be accessed remotely through the flaw. So, yay! And for bonus points, we have a tool already out there called Z-Wardial that, in fact, can just pop yourself into anyone's Zoom web conference that is not secured. So, with this tool, every single Zoom conversation pretty much is as secure and as private as a Twitch stream that I do every single Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I mean, what? And of course, that can also bypass the security features built into Zoom. Now, to Zoom's credit, despite the fact that these guys seemingly popped up out of nowhere... And seems to, have, seems to have been on the planet shorter than the coronavirus itself. They did at least say the right thing. They at least said. We are terribly sorry to, have, to hear about these security vulnerabilities on our platform. We are ceasing all development of new features and are instead working to secure these vulnerabilities immediately. As of the time of recording this podcast, there is no known fix for these vulnerabilities I have said, and more than likely I have forgotten and forgot to mention some other security vulnerabilities, but at least Zoom is one step ahead of Bethesda when it comes to fixing their bugs. So you know what, bravo. Bravo. I still would not use Zoom. 
I'll just be bluntly honest. Like I, like I told my former boss, like I told our accountant, I told him straight up, don't trust Zoom. I don't trust them. And the fact that the first time I've ever heard of them was A, in a random Twitter post, and then B, when they had security vulnerabilities found, I just don't trust them. But then again, it's hard for me to trust. Especially when freaking COVID-19 is older than your software. We're going to shift gears dramatically before chat starts telling me all the wonderful things about Zoom that I cannot confirm or deny because I know nothing. And instead talk about how the FCC is going to be a buzzkill and completely ruin my ability to completely troll telemarketers and scam callers by requiring phone carriers to authenticate calls and actually require them to no longer use the technology that lets you spoof phone numbers on caller ID by June 2021. I, for one, am disappointed by this because the one thing I have absolutely loved is asking every single one of these guys trying to sell, sell to try and extend my 2005's Ford 500's extended warranty And then ask them, hey, who do you work for? Hey, are you a coward? Okay, no, real talk. I am actually grateful that this sort of nonsense is finally, underlined, finally, having some steps put in to put an end to this nonsense. The whole nonsense of robocalls and more importantly, these scam calls has been atrocious because it's one thing for someone like me that's on the up and up to go and mess with a guy and try to have them extend the warranty of a Volvo VNL 870, which I'm pretty sure is a semi truck that doesn't exist. Wait, does it exist? No, I don't think it exists. I'm pretty sure it's 860. Or trying to have, uh, or or telling the totally legit tech support that I'm totally logging into my computer and totally letting them take a look around as I'm driving down I-94 and then telling them, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm also a tech guy and uh, you're... Not real. Although, real talk though, when it comes to these scam callers, you absolutely should ask them if they are a coward. You absolutely should ask them. You get the best reactions out of them. Or they'll hang up immediately. Either way, win-win. If it's a legit caller, they'll just be confused. So there we go. Scam callers, your days are numbered by a little more than a year. You know, until they find a way around that in the next month. Let's talk about GameStop. 
and about how, uh, my God, you know who I pity the most in these tough times? I legitimately pity the GameStop store managers. I really do. They are easily the ones that are taking the biggest bit of hate when it comes to this. Because any sort of person who hears these stories, the first thing they're going to do is just assume, oh, it's the manager who put out this word that they should be doing this, that, or the other thing. And it's not. They're getting these, they're being told these procedures all from the higher ups. And they're just the ones that got to go to their employees and say, here's the new procedure that corporate told us to do. You take this plastic bag, you turn it inside out, you put your hand in the bag. And use that as a makeshift glove. You then take the customer's currency. Count it or swipe the card. Then put their change or the card back in the bag. Turn it back right side out. And put the goods in the bag. And hand the bag to the customer. These are hygiene procedures that I would say I would only use if I couldn't find my gloves and I had no, and I had no better answer. Like I'm even sure I said this in the early bird briefing like this is mildly clever and I would do this as like a plan C. In fact, there actually was a delivery route where I had where I ended up doing this because I forgot my gloves. And then you know what I did immediately at, after doing that because I was short a blo- a glove? I washed my hands. Because that's not that's not sanitary. That's not a foolproof plan. That's just like that's like a plan C. Uh, GameStop. Guys, I get these are hard times. I get it. Trust me. But holy cow. You cannot think for a moment. Yes, this is a great plan. This is how we're going to stay in operation. And then once again, I got to ask, who is making these decisions? Like, really, who is actually making these decisions? Because this isn't coming from the top. The people at the top need to go, and this is including Reggie, by the way, who is on the board of directors. They need to go down to whoever the 
health guy is, whatever the heck the name of that position would be, and say, hey, 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 hey. Look. You're making us look like we're absolute greedy freaking a-holes. I know we are, but you need to stop making us look like greedy a-holes. Like, right now, or you're going to be on the unemployment list. Like, that's what needs to happen on the higher-ups. Because if the higher-ups are okay with this image, my God, there is nothing that can save them at that point. Chat thinks it absolutely is coming from from the higher-ups. You know what? Here. Here's what I think is going to be a telltale sign if it is the abs if this is coming from the board of directors that are okay with this. If Reggie quits. If Reggie quits, I would say that is a hundred percent sign that it is coming from the top and that he just sees it as there's no way of saving this place. All right, shifting gears away from GameStop that can't tell the difference between their butt and a hole in the ground. Chat says Reggie would f- further gain respect from, from me if, if he does wash his hands of the whole affair. Absolutely. That's why I'd say that it's definitely from the higher ups because then Reggie knows they're because Reggie's not an idiot. He knows there's a sinking ship and there's no way anything he says is going to save the place. Chat wants to know when the official start date for Reggie joining. I want to say it I want to say it was before everything. Let me take a look here. When does Reggie Start at GameStop. Wow, that actually was an autocomplete. April twentieth is when he's supposed is when he's set to join. So he's not there yet. Whoo! Whoo, boy! Reggie is going to be walking in on an actual dumpster fire. Oh god, he actually does start on 420. That's amazing. Microsoft has disabled on Xbox Live the ability to have custom gamer picks. So... I'm not going to lie. I know almost nothing about the back end or any sort of features on Xbox Live. Because my position on the Xbox has always been, why get an Xbox when I can just 
build a PC. Because the Xbox, the only thing the Xbox has provided before was Halo. That's it. Beyond that, everything the Xbox has had, the PC has had. So as a gaming platform, the Xbox has always been dead to me. The PlayStation, the Switch, all that, it does provide value outside, does provide its own value. So, I mean, there you go. That's how I've always stood on uh, on Xbox. So I've I've never I've all right I take that back I've owned an Xbox 360 for three months, and that was because back when I was selling laptops, uh, someone bought a laptop and then wanted to throw in an Xbox 360 as part of the trade as part of a as part of a discount, and I did it because I because I ended up ahead anyway even if I sold the Xbox 360 for zero dollars. And that's been my only time I've ever owned an Xbox. And no, it did not red ring. So I didn't even know you could have custom gamer picks. But apparently, with Xbox Live, you can have custom picks, but they are reviewed by a person before allowed to go up. Well, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Microsoft no longer has those employees working in the office to go review all those gamer picks, so the feature has been disabled. And no, chat, the uh, 360 I did have for a while uh, did have a hard drive. Which was, quite frankly, the weirdest looking mechanism I've ever seen. And then I found out later on it's just a laptop hard drive in the weirdest enclosure ever. Although my laptop charger was actually bigger than the Xbox 360 charger. Speaking of COVID-19, Abbott is launching a five-minute virus test. For COVID-19, that can be used almost anywhere. This actually is a big breakthrough. Now, the unfortunate thing is that it still does require a technician, which means it's still going to be costly. Because that by far, when it comes to these sort of tests, well, I shouldn't say by far, but one of the bigger costs to having any sort of viral test done is to pay the technician to operate it. But the fact that it can be done in five minutes as opposed to a couple days later is huge. Now, here's going to be the next thing. And this is going to be, again, big in regards to handling the pandemic. And you're going to be telling us a lot. How long until we get a COVID 19 antibody test. Because that's going to be much, much bigger. 
Because right now they're still working on the test. It might actually be out now, but it's not to the point of being as fast and effective as this test right now from Abbott. There we go. That's going to be the most I talk about that. Moving on. During the pandemic, we have new list of freebies, of which I'm also now compiling a list of freebies on our Discord as well. Google is is providing Wi-Fi to 100,000 Californian students. In what method? I am not 100% certain, but they're and, but on top of that they're also providing 400, I'm sorry, 4,000 Chromebooks. So yeah, the Wi-Fi, that's actually going to be great for students that don't have the, have the Wi-Fi. That's going to be fantastic. So they can at least get online and be able to learn more while they are stuck in quarantine if they didn't have it before. But I guess at the cost of also inflicting 4,000 Chromebooks on those students, I mean, I, I guess I guess a curse had to come somewhere, and 4,000 Chromebooks is that curse. Feels bad. If only they were they could give out four thousand real laptops or real computers. Chat's asking, aren't there aren't there four thousand spare Chromebooks near me not being used? You know, I'm not sure. I'm I'm actually not sure if my old supply line actually has used Chromebooks or not right now. Uh, checking with my supply line right now. They have nothing in the Chromebook section. Laptop. They have one laptop. One. And it's a Dell Latitude E7270. A small little 2.6 gigahertz dual core laptop running Windows 8. Just a little 12-incher. So, wah, wah. Do they have anything else? Actually, I'm now curious. No, they really do not. They are, like, fresh out of computers. They have six little all-in-ones with 22-inch screens. And that's basically it. Feels bad, man. Someone in chat says they saw a restaurant use a Chromebook to prevent a stack of takeout containers from falling over. Oh, man. That's... That is special. We're going to take a quick breather here when we come back. More things Google is up to to try and help. And also, why new laptops are coming around the corner and actually are going to be... Very, very fascinating and powerful.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Hey, do you remember Google Fi? I know. I forgot Google Fi existed too. Google Fi has increased its data cap. Keep in mind, Google Fi is a mobile phone service. Google Fi has increased its data limit cap to 30 gigabytes per user. During COVID-19. Now. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what Google Fi's normal caps are. I don't know if they have an unlimited tier and it's just like, oh, by the way, you're brought down to 30 gigs or anything like that. I assume not because that would be weird. But the fact that the, these sort of things are being done during these tough times, you know. Bravo. Bravo. Cannot complain about that. Google is now also publishing coronavirus mobility reports, which is feeding off everyone's local, or rather location, history. So now with these reports, we can make sure and watch that people are obeying their quarantines. Ah, thanks. Thanks. I I both love it and hate it. More hate it than anything. Does this mean that uh, I'm going to get a knock on the door? Just one morning saying, we noticed on your phone that that you traveled from here to here on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're supposed to be staying home. And I'm going to be like, I'm supposed to work. I do the linen for hospitals. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, even though the job I have, which, spoiler alert, is not podcasting and Twitch streaming... Even though even though my job is essential, we haven't gotten like any paperwork or anything saying, "Hey, by the way, you're essential and here's your card saying you're essential." Because we're not on like any sort of FEMA list or anything like that. We're just a commercial laundromat that works with hospitals. We work with Frickin' synagogues, temples, restaurants, and massage parlors, too. But all those accounts are... (laughs) All those accounts aren't giving us anything because they're all shut down. Surprise! 
So uh, needless to say, I get where this is coming from. I get that it can be help- helpful, but um, thanks. I hate it. I am not looking forward to getting a knock on the door, even though I am totally legit and totally in the clear and totally allowed to continue to quote unquote break quarantine because my actual job is very essential. Yay. Now, I should clarify, this is not being used publicly. Someone in the chat did did uh, did, did say that, and it is confirmed. This is not public, but the fact that they have this information means that if a big lockdown or national quarantine is used, this is the kind of information that would go to law enforcement to enforce such a quarantine or lockdown. So, not a big deal yet. Hopefully never will be a big deal. But this is out there. Gnawing away at the back of my head of what may or may not happen. And someone in the chat is is going, oh, you you funny. That's never going to happen. And it's just like, you say that, but I didn't think we'd be at the point we're at now. Oh, well, I'm thoroughly depressed. Let's talk about free music. There's there's something a a lot better. We have free music uh, that that is allowed. Or or, excuse me, let me me rephrase that. In any case, we're going to move on from that topic because I can already see chat starting to go political. And I want to try and avoid the political ramifications of this topic as much as possible because that's just going to cause chat to get even more toxic and it's just going to make me even more depressed than I already am. We already have Logic Pro having a 90 day uh 90 day trial instead of the normal 30 day one that's from Apple. Ableton has their live suite that's available for 90 days now instead. Fender is available for free lessons on Apple Apple Play, and there's a ton of other ones. We'll be here forever. I mention, mention all of these. The point is, there's a ton of free stuff available if you're into making your own music. Lyft is also offering free scooter rides for health and transit workers in California. Actually, is this all, is this only for California? I could have swore I originally read it's only in California. Oh, yep, there there we go. Um, healthcare and transit workers get free rides with Lyft. Limited to Austin, Denver, D.C. metro area, Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Monica, and all of California. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Santa Monica. I'm sorry. I misread that. San Diego and Santa Monica in California. My God, they wrote this weird. And it is 
unlimited 30-minute rides. So, a couple questions I have. What about other places? Later on in the article, it does say that you can use Lyft's Blue Bikes service in Chicago. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Lyft says it's going to be offering sim- similar services with... <laughs> oh, my God. This is... This is nuts. All right, so... Brain, I can work, I swear. All right, so here's the thing. Lyft also has other similar services, but it's with their sub-companies that I didn't know existed until just this second, such as in Boston with their Blue Bike service, in Chicago with Divi, in New York with City Bike, and at the San Francisco Bay Area with Bay Wheels. All right, so Lyft. On one hand, props to you for helping out in this tough time. I I have a question. What's with all these sub names? I'm sure there's a legitimate reason. It could be as someone in the chat said that they're all subcontractors. That they work with Lyft and use Lyft's infrastructure to make their service happens, and it's actually a completely different entity that's just really tight with uh, with Lyft. Could be for tax reasons. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, I could see that. Because if you're one big entity, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to move on from that. So anyway, Lyft, good, good good, on you. Check your local service providers for anything of that nature. Uh, can we just all agree that COVID is just making us go more and more crazy? My God. Amazon is going to make South by Southwest happen everywhere. So you too can get limited free access to all of the films that would have aired at South by Southwest available on Prime Video. Which most likely means you need to sign up for Prime Video. And the however much it is a month for that. How much is it a month for Prime Video? I actually don't remember. In any case, you too can go watch those various films that would appear at South by Southwest on Amazon. And then slowly after being disappointed in what you saw, slowly walk out of the room giving a thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever the heck they normally do at South by Southwest. Honestly, most of the time, whenever I hear South by Southwest, it's usually other tech companies announcing various little this and that's down there. 
Like, even though it's South by Southwest Film Festival, no one talks about the films. Except for, like, those that are, like, in the indie film field. Am I the only one who notices that? It could just be me. Someone in the chat says that all you need is an account. You do not need the Amazon Prime subscription. Let me see. It is a one-time event that will be available in front of the Amazon video paywall and free to all audiences around the country with or without an Amazon Prime membership. All that is needed is a free Amazon account. Okay. So there you go. Meanwhile, over in the world of esports, all 2020 Overwatch League live events have been canceled. No! All events where people meet locally to play a video game online have been canceled and there won't be any of those events. The only ones that will exist are the Overwatch League events where people remotely play an online video game will take part. Wait a minute. Wait. Why is this news? I mean, I guess it is news just just for the fact that, hey, look, all these local events where we go ahead and have all the people in an arena connect to a remote server outside of the arena to compete on that server while being in a different room. The whole thing about local esports events has always been kind of baffling to me at least like I get it to a degree chat says they might have servers in the arena I know in the case of Dota and League of Legends they didn't that might have actually changed since I looked that was like years ago Maybe that has changed for some for some of these. Overwatch does, in fact, have a local server. Okay. All right. So there is more point to it other than just having a big show and having a big crowd. Okay. Okay. That does make some sense. League of Legends didn't for the first three seasons. You, you know what I love? And this is pretty much just for the people watching the podcast. My chat right now is half. What what does or doesn't happen on the server backend for esports tournaments, and the rest is oh thank God, COVID did something good and canceled Overwatch. Woohoo! And that amuses me greatly. The fact that that's the split of, of the chat. Oh. <laughs> to be clear. And this is unfortunately to be the party pooper on everyone in the chat that's celebrating. There are still going to be online only events 
where players play from their own homes and and are streamed online on YouTube. Because the Overwatch League signed an exclusivity agreement with YouTube, so you can go ahead and watch your Overwatch League in 480p by default. Let's talk about Dark Sky. Much like Zoom, this was another app that I didn't hear about until pretty much when the news broke about Dark Sky. So Dark Sky was bought out by Apple. Ooh, Apple bought out a company. That's not news at all. Let me finish. So Apple bought the app developer for Dark Sky. Dark Sky powers a very good, apparently, weather app. But then the first thing that Apple did after buying Dark Sky was to put it behind a paywall on Android. Or was it that it was behind a paywall before and now it's just gone on Android? I'm actually now not sure. Let me go fire up my Android app and Google up Dark Sky. Nope, it is straight up gone. Oh, I do have Dark Sky Map. Nope, but that's not the weather app. So yeah, Dark Sky is actually was behind a paywall, and now it is just straight up gone from Android. So this would be the first time that Apple has bought an app to then kill it on a platform. And before anyone corrects me and says they did it with this, that, and the other thing, I would argue they killed it outright. Dark Sky is still available on iOS. And whenever they did this in the past, they would just remove it and then integrate into the operating system. Now it is just straight up gone from Android, but still allowed on iOS. And that is a first. And really is a dick move. There's no other way to say it. And this has actually brought up some very interesting articles such as the top 10 replacements for Dark Sky and all this, that, and the other thing. And on one hand, for for those users who use Dark Sky, I get it. It bites. I've had that happen before, too, where an app I really loved and now it just is gone. But holy cow, it's just a weather app. And before anyone goes, (gasps) how dare you call it just a weather app it was not just a weather app it had so much more information it was my life it was my life I'm sorry but AccuWeather exists 
the Weather Channel app exists. It's not like there's a shortage of good, solid weather apps. That being said, I do highly endorse uh, the Weather Channel app over AccuWeather because AccuWeather has, in fact, told me that it's raining outside and I go outside, it's a nice, bright, sunny day. Just saying. The only reason I mention AccuWeather is because literally every single article that talked about good replacements for Dark Sky mentioned AccuWeather first. And I want to know who the heck those people are. Chat says they'll still stick with their WTF forecast. I actually do love that app, if only because of its sense of humor. All right, we're going to shift gears, and I'm just going to say this right off the bat. No, I am not going to mention any Final Fantasy VII Remake spoilers, but we are going to talk about the fact that the Final Fantasy VII Remake has come out early. So, due to the epidemic, Square Enix has made the decision of just getting it out there early. You can right now download Final Fantasy VII Remake onto your PlayStation, though you will not be able to play it until the release date of April 10th. But you can already download it. If you have the disc, which actually did ship out way early to make sure that people could get it on time, you can play that right now. And in fact, if you are like me and you are trying to avoid Final Fantasy VII Remake spoilers, I would, tr- I would recommend being as inactive on Twitter as possible. Like, I'll just put that out there. Because people are very excited for this game. Not that I blame them. And this is probably the first time that I can think of in a long, long time where this many people, this many people who don't have, I will say, training in handling an early release of a game have early access to a game. Because it's not like, oh, hey, this streamer, that streamer, this YouTuber all got the Final Fantasy VII remake early and they signed non-disclosure agreements and made their videos early and they're going to air at midnight on the 10th. No, these are complete randos who have it. Just random people like you and me who have this game an entire week ahead of schedule. Now, I personally haven't gotten my copy yet. I actually don't know if I'm going to get my copy on time. I'm actually concerned about that. And the fact that this was done really does say how concerned everyone is on stuff not getting out on time. There were, in fact, as someone in chat mentioned, plenty of people who did try to stream this early, to get early publicity and comment on it early and spoil a whole lot. And, well, 
Square Enix did use questionable DMCA claims to have those videos taken out ASA GDP. But that being said, I also don't blame them. Amazon can smell the blood on Stadia and wants in. Amazon is working on what they're internally calling Project Tempo, which is a cloud gaming platform. Oh, boy. Now, a company like Amazon working on a cloud gaming platform, that's not really news. What is more surprising is the fact that they already have exclusives lined up for the platform. And that's where I actually now start having a problem. They already have a first-person shooter game called Crucible that will be coming in May as a exclusive for the platform. Now, here's my problem. I am going to pretend that this game is good. I'm going to pretend I want to go play this game. I know nothing about this game other than it's a sci-fi shooter. That's literally all I know. But what if it turns out that there is no good... Amazon server in my area what if my network can't handle it what I would recommend to Amazon with this project tempo sell the cloud gaming platform but also sell a console or have or have some option to have it locally in some way shape or form cuz this i this whole concept of having exclusives on a platform that there is no way to guarantee you're going to have a good time and is guaranteed to only be an online service i am not a fan of And again, some uh, right now chat's questioning is just like, oh, is it going to be a good game or not? Again, I'm just assuming it is. Do you really want a good title like that to die with the platform? To die with your inability to get internet service? That's the question I want to ask. Is there some option to play it more reliably? Oh god, I just scrolled down and just saw it's a hor- horrific uh, cat creature holding holding a sci-fi gun. You know what? Never mind. This game's going to die. 
All right, now moving on over to GeForce Now. Now, fortunately for GeForce Now, they have the model that any game that you can play on your PC, you can play on GeForce Now. Assuming that developer is not butthurt about GeForce Now existing and will allow it. And fortunately, GeForce Now, it's looking slightly up. More games are greenlighting the ability for their games to be on GeForce Now. So there's that. Yay. I swear, right now... Right now is is a very interesting time for gamers because we are being we are pretty much being dumped with news about cloud gaming 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 and like 2% of the gaming player base wants cloud gaming 2% might even be high. But literally, underline literally the overwhelming majority of gamers want nothing to do with this. But work is being done to an extensive amount to make this happen. And it is surprising nvidia has officially released their mobile gpus for brand new laptops that have the word super injected into the name so we can file this under things no one really wanted you know what i think this is actually more related to Do you really want to know why I think all of a sudden now we're starting to see laptops with the RTX 2080 Super, laptops with the RTX 2070 Super, and no 2060 Super because the 2060 Super is dangerously close to what the 2070 Super can do? It's because at the same time, AMD is releasing their 4000 series mobile GPUs, which, by the way... I'm fairly certain we talked about last week, but I legitimately cannot remember. Are just absolute monsters in the kind of performance and most importantly, the performance per watt that AMD can get out of their CPUs. It is utterly insane. And at the same time, Intel is also releasing their 10th generation mobile CPUs. So NVIDIA is just like, hey, you you know how we just stuck the name Super on a couple of things and increased the clock speed a bit? You remember? Hey, look, here's laptops with that. Woo! New NVIDIA cards! Help push those laptop sales! That's what the new... uh, NVIDIA Super Mobile GPUs come off as. 
But needless to say, in the end, there doesn't feel like there's a whole lot going on there. As far as the GPUs go. There's a little bit of a core count increase. There's actually, oddly enough, a bit of a clock decrease. And, you know, as a result, a bit of a performance refresh. This move, however, does make me wonder how far away we actually are from NVIDIA Amper cards. Now, speaking of those new laptops that we're going to be forced to see whether we like it or not, the Intel 10th 10th generation Comet Lake laptop parts. So far, all of these H parts, which are the ones you're going to hear about the most because no one cares about the ultra-low voltage, what is it, the U parts? I don't even think the article I have here even talks about the other processes that launched with this. Yeah, this one, this article only talks about the H parts. What's really surprising about these, first off, they're all 45 watt parts. By comparison, the AMD CPUs that came out, the Ryzen 4000 series laptop parts, those are all 35 watt parts. Keep that in mind. The highest end one, the 10980HK, is an 8-core, 16-thread laptop processor. Starts at 2.4 gigahertz clock speed and can, at maximum turbo, assuming that the thermal solution of the laptop can handle the hot nonsense this processor is going to pump out up to thir- three up to 5.3 gigahertz what the heck you know what you're going to be seeing you're going to be seeing intel laptops being noticeably thicker than the AMD-powered laptops. I'm just going to put it out there now. Unless that AMD laptop is running an AMD GPU, then it might go back to being thicker. Chat's right now arguing about AMD drivers, despite the fact we're not talking about AMD GPUs at all. And that amuses me. So we do have some early leaked benchmarks from these processors. Keep in mind the 10th generation Intel processors with terrible names do not have official benchmarks out yet. They are not officially out. They are just coming. And fortunately for Intel, these early benchmarks show that, yes, 
Intel does win in single core performance by barely anything. See, we did it. Intel's the best. Barely, yay. Except, not really. Wah, wah. Oh, Intel, Intel, Intel. I mean, real talk here. What does Intel have left? The only thing that's going to keep Intel afloat until they actually figure out how to actually be competitive again is the fact that is name recognition. And that's pretty much it when it comes to the CPU market. I should clarify that because Intel is in other markets. In the CPU-wise, though, right now, when it comes to performance, when it comes to price, AMD is killing them. And it's only going to be a matter of time as exclusivity contracts start coming due between all these various PC manufacturers with Intel that uh, you're going to start seeing more and more and more AMD machines out there. Because those of us who know, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking for the AMD name. We're going to be looking for Ryzen over Intel. Chat does bring up virtualization, and that's where Intel's going to thrive right now in the server market. And that's true. Virtualization, Intel will have a pretty big edge. Of course, I also say that in every single one of my computers is Intel right now, so there is that as as well. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Asus going full crazy when it comes to laptop designs.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, full disclosure here. I normally record this podcast every Sunday at around noon or one o'clock central time. Sometimes a little after, usually a little after. But anyway, I digress. When I went back and began to upload this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, I made a horrific discovery. The audio began to corrupt and distort at the tail end of the second segment, like right before the break. And the entire third segment, that would be this segment right now, the audio was completely lost. It was it was unusable. I actually posted it on Twitter. Twitch or on Twitter uh, at uh, Eagle Double Underscore Falcon. What the audio did sound like. It was clearly a problem caused by the Spreaker software. We'll be looking down the road to see what's going to be a solution. We're not going to replace the software because we still need the software to make the podcasts. And yeah. We'll figure something out, but it does mean I have to go back right now and re-record this segment. And unfortunately, I'm doing it off stream. There is no chat this time. So we're just going to kind of go for it. And also because there's no script, it's going to be different than what was heard live. It is what it is. Let's move on then to the Asus ROG Zephyrus Duo. The, the the next laptop in the growing popularity of these dual screen laptops. It was kind of showed off as a concept by Intel. With the main screen being where it would be and then the second screen being right above the keyboard. With the keyboard being moved all the way down to the very edge of the palm rest. With the trackpad right next to it. The trackpad also having the option to light up and become a digital numerical pad. But at least you still have the trackpad. The Zephyrus Duo, though, has the additional trick of when it's on when it's open, the second screen tilts a little bit, both so that A, you have easy touch access to it. By the way, this second screen that's above the keyboard is first off ultra wide. Like, it's a 14-inch screen that is 3840 by 1100. The aspect ratio of it is, unfortunately, I don't actually think this article 
talks about what the aspect ratio is. I don't think Asus wants to talk about what the aspect ratio of that screen is because it's just like, it's there, deal with it. Yeah, they don't mention what, what the aspect ratio is of the display, just saying that's a full HD IPS 300 hertz. No, wait, no, that's the main screen. The touchscreen is a UHD IPS 60 hertz. The main screen is 300 hertz. That second screen, like I said, is a touchscreen, but it is detected by the system as just a second screen. So if you were to touch it, it's going to move your mouse down there. And if you're playing, say, a full screen game that doesn't like you alt tabbing out, it's going to freak. Just warning you. The second screen, however, can provide a lot of fascinating utility. A lot of people have been talking about the usability for editors, video editors on the, on the go. And I could see that, especially since this thing's rocking either an RTX 2070 Super or a 2080 Super. Unfortunately, however, it will be rocking the new 10th generation Comet Lake processors, not the new Ryzen 4000 series. Now, performance-wise, I think the tenth, the new 10th gen chips and the Ryzen processors are going to be pretty head-to-head. They're going to be performance-wise comparable, but, but, AMD right now, like I talked about before, performance per watt, the new Ryzen 4000 is Killing Intel. I don't know if we talked about it in the previous uh, segment because, like I said, uh, there's been a couple hours through there between when I recorded that and now because we had to re-record this. But I believe I also talked about it last week on Eagle Eyes on Tech. The ninth gen processors would usually clock in about three, four, five hours of battery life. These higher wattage 40 watt, 40 watt uh, parts. The new AMD ones, when you're just when you're not utilizing the GPU to the max within gaming, they can clock in eight, nine, ten hours of battery life. And when you're pairing it with a GPU like this, that extra battery life savings is insane. I can't stress that enough as someone who uses mobile workstations. Almost religiously. I mean, with the exception of this little 12 incher that uh, that I that I actually just got a new battery for. But other than that, I mean, I've always had a, a high end quad core mobile processor and a discrete GPU, and I've had to settle with oh, I get three hours of battery life, and that's pretty good compared to what I'm used to getting. It, you know, three hours is nice. You get me a mobile workstation that for daily use can clock in eight. That's massive. And the fact that Asus went with this machine with a 10th gen is a bit disappointing. It really is. The other bit of disappointingness is um, in a weird move, it has 16 gigabytes of onboard RAM plus one additional SODIM slot. 
So I'm reading the specs. We got 16 gigs soldered onto the board and then a SODIM slot on top of that. Why not just give us two SODIMs? If you've already got the space dedicated for one, why not just put another one next to it? I don't... It's these sort of things that actually do kind of irk me. The fact that we have these amazing laptops and there's these little itty-bitty things that are done to them that just like, why? The other thing I do want to point out, and I do recall someone in chat when I did record this live did comment on it. This is not the first, and in fact, actually, this entire generation of uh, taking what Apple started by replacing the F1 through 12 row with a small touchscreen saying, oh, yeah, this will give extra functionality. And then Intel just went, no, that won't. That's stupid. Let's put an entire screen there, a real screen that people would like. That's not the first concept of these dual screen laptops, though we're starting to see these more and more and more and more. No, the first one actually was a laptop I did want. That was, you can still look this up, the Lenovo ThinkPad T700DS. That one was a 17-inch laptop with a built-in Wacom tablet into the palm rest in addition to a full-blown keyboard unfortunately no backlighting at that point a pretty decent trackpad at the time nowadays it just looks microscopic compared to the trackpads we have nowadays but the thing that was fascinating about it was that inside the 17 inch screen you could pull out and have side by side another 10 inch screen These new iterations, though, I'm not going to say they're inferior to the pullout design. But they do kind of seem like, uh, I don't know if I'd want a screen down there. But we'll see. We'll see. It's clearly becoming the way of the future for the mobile workstation class laptop. OnePlus is announcing their new OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro on April 14th. That's when the new invites have gone out. Unfortunately, by the next Eagle Eyes on Tech, we will know nothing more about it. That's going to be actually like what? The day after next week's Eagle Eagle Eyes on Tech comes out. But here's the thing I want to talk about. They announced this, but let's be honest... Who cares? Here, I'll tell you what I'll have. It'll have no notch. There might be a way for it to have an underscreen front-facing camera. There's going to be no headphone jack. Um, Apparently, it's going to finally have wireless charging. Apparently, OnePlus has been against wireless charging for some reason. I don't know why. Wait, does this thing have a front-facing camera? I see one picture that doesn't and another that does. Maybe it's going to be under the screen in the corner like it's showing here. I don't know. We're going to find out more. But 
let's be honest, the phone's going to be like $800. In fact, here we have a specs list. Let's see if we actually got a price listed there. We do not. Womp womp. Oh, we do have a 4,300 milliamp battery. Pro version gonna have a uh, 4510 milliamp battery. Okay, that's that's decent. But once again, I hate to bring up COVID-19, but COVID-19 by far is the biggest story. And, well, it's a story that affects everything. A lot of people are very reluctant to spend money. A lot of people have been laid off. A lot of people have had workloads drastically reduced. A lot of people had their hours reduced. A lot of people don't know what their financial future holds. A lot of things about the future are up in the air, and maybe there will be great things in the future. I hope there will be great things in the future. But there might not be. There is a lot of uncertainty in the world when it comes to financials. I hate to break it to OnePlus, but these new flagships, unless they are amazing budget phones, a lot of people are probably not going to be buying these because they're not, because they might have to just say, you know, my two year old phone. I think I'm going to have to squeeze a few more months out of it until things start to stabilize. Cloudflare has introduced a new DNS service. So, what they've done before is a program called 1.1.1.1. What it is is that you use that as your DNS... And it basically gives you a VPN-like effect. The sole purpose of 1.1.1.1 was to try and hide your traffic. Of course, though, Cloudflare kind of has a wonky history, and it's just like... People don't really... Cloudflare is like good at what they do, but they also just have like this mystique, this like concern about them. And it's hard to ignore that. Well, they've launched two new DNSs, 1.1.1.2, which is for malware blocking so that you will no longer see Facebook. I mean, what? And 1.1.1.3, which will block malware and adult content. So you really won't see Facebook. But real talk, though, I kind of do want to find a sacrificial laptop. Maybe um, I'll back up things off my little 12-incher here. Make sure all the crucial data is saved, reformat it, and then just try and go to some of the real obscure sites that I do for oddball sort of things and see how many of them are blocked. 
Because I do go to very sketchy parts of the web to go find this bit of software for a server or this sort of weird forum post or, oh, hey, this guy wants to find some old ancient videos that used to broadcast on Flash and no one has them anymore. All right, well, let's go to these sketchy sites. And I've done that on sacrificial machines. And then just made sure to get the goods and get out. I am curious how many of those sites that are just like, oh, it's a little sketch, but it ain't bad, would just be straight up blocked by this. I can't help but be very, very curious. Let's talk about April Fool's for a second here. This year has been a hot mess. Now, granted, a good chunk of what 2020 has dealt has been overhyped. The whole World War III scare was a big chunk of overhypeness. But COVID-19, you can argue the reaction has been an overreaction. But regardless, it has been a life-changing event and not for the better. It has brought people into depression. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. It has ruined lives. Not just for catching a virus and potentially have your life put in danger by that, but the fact that these massive shutdowns have just straight up put people's livelihoods into question. It is a time of great uncertainty. I'm not sugarcoating it. And many people decided that April Fool's was just, this was not the year to be cracking jokes. And when I said this live, chat agreed with that for the most part. And I'll admit, I've had, uh, what, I recorded this at about 2 o'clock was when I got to this point in the podcast. It's now 11 p.m. when I'm recording this. I've now had nine hours to think on it. And I still stand with what I said. I still disagree. In dark times like this, we need a good laugh. And I do mean that. A good laugh. You know there's going to be plenty of people out there if we just decided that, oh, anyone can go make an April Fool's joke. If you're like, you, There'd be plenty of people just going, oh, I caught COVID. <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> That's not funny. It's not. But we do need some laughs. We need uh, YouTube videos like the lock picking lawyer, for example, doing an entire tutorial on 
how to pick a lock while making it an entire sexual innuendo. Not safe for work, by the way, for obvious reasons. We need things like the Linus Tech Chip Tips channel making a big spoof video about how Linus is a fraud. Like, that's a whole big inside joke. It's it's great. It's... Uh... Or heck, here on uh, here on on my end, we had Monokuma guest hosting in for me on the early bird briefing, and it was just me doing this silly voice the whole time and talking about how AMD utterly crushed Intel when it comes to processors. Like we need that, we really do. Because in the end, if all you're getting is just feed after feed after feed about how there are people out there suffering and dying to a virus that we knew nothing about until just a couple months ago, or about how people's livelihoods are being ruined because they were told they had to shut down or how people have lost their jobs all because of this lockdown and now they don't know how they're going to make ends meet if that's all you're taking in I guarantee you suicide will outnumber the deaths that COVID will cause I guarantee it That's not healthy. And I don't think this mentality that April Fool's should have been canceled is healthy either. Heck, we had this one right here from Player Unknown Battlegrounds saying how they're going to add wizards and paladins for a week into their game which honestly would make their game vastly superior to what it was before I'm just saying that's that's what it would do I don't actually think Google did any April Fool's jokes granted Google is so tight in their own operations they couldn't even figure out how to have a PowerPoint presentation up for Google I.O. so there could be more going on there I have another April Fool's joke for you. This one actually is absolutely hilarious. The Jedi Academy game had cross-platforming enabled, and, well, the controls for the PC players is so much better that PC players were utterly slaughtering opponents who are on consoles. Oh, wait, that was actually real. Huh. Whoops. So, um, as much fun as cross-platforming is, and as much as I am 100% in favor of cross-platforming, do not misunderstand this. There are times in competitiveness where the unfairness of it all, um, yeah... That's not a good time for the console players. 
as a PC player, I find it hilarious. But if I was playing this on the Switch or the PS4, and just I turn the corner and I can't turn fast enough because on controller, and some guy's like, oh, you're dead. That's not a good time. That's not a good time for anyone. Fortunately, the developers are looking into this and figuring out how they can fix this. You know, maybe it's just the kind of gamer I am, but you know what is great for cross-platforming? Co-op. I still don't know if Borderlands 3 is cross-platform co-op, but if it is, man, that would be amazing. Nintendo Switch is, in fact, working on... Or, um, Nintendo Switch. Nintendo is working on some big remasters for the 35th anniversary of Mario, including Mario Sunshine that... I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't care about. Mario Sunshine, to me, is still just a very weird and very meh sort of game. It just doesn't fit. Mario Galaxy, which fits better than Mario Sunshine, and probably the one that most people are going to be going, hmm, Super Mario 64 is going to be seeing a remaster, according to Jematsu. Eurogamer actually initially reported that Mario 3D World will be seeing a re-release onto the Switch. This is all intended to be announced at E3, which may or may not... Oh, wait, no, it doesn't exist this year. It was just straight up canceled. That's right. Whoops. And release during the holiday season. All right, Nintendo, you do you. Let's... We'll see how that goes for you. I wish you nothing but the best. And this brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. And once again, I want to state, it's it's very difficult to ignore the COVID-19 story. It is. It is very difficult to ignore it. But this story is fascinating. There is a dating app focused solely on quarantining together with someone else. So, you open up this dating app. First thing it asks you, have you washed your hands? If you say yes, you then input whatever information it asks of you. And then it matches you up to video chat with someone else using the app. I uh, I don't know what to say about this. The fact that this exists at all is absolutely fascinating. Maybe this was developed by the same people as Zoom. It seems to have existed in about the same time time period. Well, I mean, at least when you're self-quarantined, you can't work on your golf game or enjoy the sports or anything of that nature. At least 
you can start on your date life, I suppose. Although it would be really funny. Terrible, but funny. Hacking into the app and try to create a virtual webcam on it and just like animate one of those like face rig monsters. That would be just. This whole thing is just a joke. Who are we kidding? Though I did have to double check to make sure this wasn't an April Fool's joke. I'm sorry. The article originally came from CNN. I know I'm sad that I use CNN for a source too. On Sunday, March 29th, only a few hours after I recorded last week's Eagle Eyes on Tech. It is not an April Fool's joke, despite the fact it definitely seems like one. That is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And again, I do apologize that this last segment had to be done off stream. And I hope that those that uh, you forgive me. Feel free to also check out my daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, pretty even on Spotify. It is all over the place. And also check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. We stream there every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Take care, and I hope you have a safe week. So this app is just like a few steps away from just beating being chat roulette, right? I mean, how accurate could the matchmaking actually be when their sole thing of making sure you quarantined is a yes or no box saying, have you washed your hands today? Plus on top of that, you know what I think about when I, when I go on a date being lectured like I'm fricking 12 Actually, not even. This would be like I'm being lectured like I'm five. No, no, no. I get it. I get that washing your hands is super important in a time of a pandemic. But holy cow. We're not five. At least I'd hope not on a dating app. Granted, I do say that as someone who does work in the health field. So there is that.
Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.